0: All right. We have heard it six other times, but we're hearing it afresh this morning. Exodus 20, verses 1 through 21. My test is to bring it to you differently each time. We'll see what I can come up with this time. Then God spoke all of these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or on the earth below or in the water under the earth. And you shall not bow down to those or worship them for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me. But showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all of your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your town. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not be murdering. (laughs) You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And when all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance and said to Moses, you speak to us for we will listen but do not let God speak to us because we will die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come only to test you and to put the fear of God upon you so that you don't sin. And the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God
1: was. And we are in the Ten Commandments and in the heart of them where we have the shall nots, We shall not commit adultery today. And to correspond with that, we're in Matthew, Matthew 5 specifically, where Jesus has this set of, you have heard, but I say to you, and we have one this morning from Matthew 5 verses 27 through 30, where we read, you have heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, put it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to go into hell. Here, the Spirit is saying through the scriptures.
0: Thanks be to God. (laughs) Right. Andy, have you ever preached on this scripture before in your career?
1: Mm-mm, I have not.
0: Neither have I. Um, so this will be interesting, yes?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm going to tell you right off the top that that last text, that Matthew text, yeah. is a little bit triggering for me. And the reason for that is I remember distinctly being a um, cubescent evangelical teenager. And hearing that passage from Matthew read in church or at youth group or wherever and feeling a deep sense of shame and guilt and fear in reading it because if it says everyone who looks at a woman who looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery and starts talking about popping things out and chopping things off and the whole bit and I remember thinking, I I think I commit adultery in my heart like 500 times a day. I just I I I can't help it. And I felt all of this repression and shame around. What turns out at that particular point in life and in human development is pretty natural. And so I, in reading this, I'm mindful of the the ways that. quote unquote, Christian sexual ethic has been used to manipulate and control and to shame people for generations. And I don't think that this is at all what Jesus is getting at. I think that there's something more to what he's saying. Yes, absolutely. The commandment is clear. Don't commit adultery. And there is a definition of adultery around fidelity in marriage, in sexual relationships. Absolutely. There's something to that, but there's more to it and there's i think jesus is actually uh inviting us to think bigger and to is actually doing a lot of undoing around this ethic right when it comes to adultery and you did some work uh in hosea this week that that kind of leads into a bigger broader sense of of what adultery is yeah
0: because the first question that I've been asking myself in all of these commandments conversations, all of these 10 matters conversations is, why is this one on the list? Mm-hmm. What does this one offer that the other ones don't offer? How did it get here and stay here? And, um, and really, why do we care, right? Like some of them, why do we care? And when I was thinking about that this week, um, what came to mind for me was that you used the word covenant i think a couple mm-hmm. moments ago that the story of the relationship between the people all the way back to the beginning and god was one of promise right we we talk about the promise of the land the promise of blessing the prom- it's the promise and god is always making promises to the people and then the people violate them they break the they don't reciprocate the promise. And God constantly comes back and is faithful and, and reiterates the promise and starts again. Um, As a friend of mine told me last week, uh, if I'd been God, I would have flooded it 10 times. Right. (laughs) Um, And thinking about that a lot, but that the, the story of Hosea, the prophet Hosea is a short book and most people probably don't spend a lot of time in it, but it's such a powerful story of a prophet because Um, Hosea is asked to marry someone named Gomer. She's only named once, but um, her unfaithfulness in their marriage becomes like sort of a living metaphor for the Israelites, constant unfaithfulness to God. And this story is repeated over and over and over again to the point where like the idea of adultery in scripture is you should immediately, your mind should immediately go to faithfulness to God. Um, It's so baked into the story. And so I think Jesus is doing some of that work there too. And we cannot, when we talk about adultery, only be talking about sexual relationship because of it. We have to be talking about the two things I really think that this text is about. Do not commit adultery holds in it like thousands of years of culture and politics and... Um, uh, gender identity, like all of these things, right? Right, not property anymore. Uh, thankfully.
1: Yeah, patriarchy is baked into this as well. Huge. You gotta pay attention
0: to that. Um, and so what is it really doing? Like, what is "do not commit adultery" really doing? It's pointing to the relationship with God, and therefore a number of other commandments that we talked about. So it's talking about promises broken and made. And it's talking about, I think, the way we cannot separate um, how we treat other people's bodies as objects,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Those are, yeah. those are the two things I'm pretty sure this commandment is doing really uniquely. Um, and that's kind of where I get interested in it. Not because yeah. adultery in committed relationship, as you said, isn't important, but because our world is so much more complex than that. And our relationships right. are so much more complex than that.
1: Right. I, I, what you just said about the, the, our world is, is so much more complex, even, um, the, the world of marriage and divorce. And I mean, even people, that. even that's much more complicated. And the way that people commit to one another is different now. And, um, and there, once again, there's gender politics there. So while I, um, I, I don't think we, we tossed this out because of, uh, because it triggers me (laughs) um and i i I think it does need to be undone um the guilt and shame that comes with just narrowing this to talking about adultery in this particular way it doesn't mean it's not important to talk to um talk to our 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 young people about um things like consent things like not objectifying um other people and using other people's bodies for our own uh, pleasure our own needs um absolutely that's that's the case uh but i think that there is i'm with you that i'm interested in expanding a little bit this definition of of adultery and, and thinking about covenanting and how one of the things that i think is problematic in our relationships in in our culture in in our society now is that we don't talk enough about commitments we want to make and boundaries we want to have in our relationships, not just in in our marital relationships, in our partnership relationships, romantic partnership relationships, but in our families and in our friendships. And I think that um, we were talking about this a little earlier. There's a reason why when we have a, a marriage ceremony, there's verbalizing of the promises and commitments. I'm saying this to you. So, you know, this is what I'm committing to. And I am hearing you say these commitments to me. And then we know that in order to maintain a sense of fidelity, we're going to live and work in our relationship within these boundaries and we're going to covenant to these things. And sometimes that happens now, um, in, uh, in our meeting spaces. We're group in group dynamics there will be a group covenant that's made and I, I i'm wondering if we we don't have a need to expand um, our covenanting in relationships and just to talk to one another and communicate um, commitments and promises because yes. when we don't we can experience a violation of those things infidelity if you will an adultery of sorts because we haven't we haven't communicated the expectations and the needs and the boundaries and all of those things in relationship. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. And I I think it's so important to say what you're saying because we do not any longer live in the centuries that Jesus lived in or that the people of Exodus lived in, um, in which the expectation was that you are in a heterosexual marriage. And this would have been the reality for nearly all of us. Now we have people who never choose to marry and, or who have no desire to be in uh, single monogamous relationships or who have friendships surrounded by friendships where the idea of faithfulness to those friendships is really important. And so we have just a much more complex world um, knowing too that um we know, I mean, the we looked this up earlier and issue of Marriage Divorce Journal stated recently, 70% of all Americans engage in some sort of affair sometime in their marital life. I mean, we know this impacts marriages. And when we expand it, as you're saying, to other relationships, I think we're being much more faithful to the gospel text where Jesus is saying, please look at the places where you are not careful with what's in your heart and in the heart of another person. Mm. And that means that your relationship has some violation in it. Yeah. Be careful about when people don't know what you're feeling about them, what you're desiring in them, what you're craving about them because craving and desire can be quite, they're like fire, right? They can be good. They can be damaging. But mm-hmm. like when you give this oxygen, as you're saying, and have the conversation, so everyone's clear on the boundaries, everyone's clear on the expectations, everyone's clear that promises have been made and outcomes are expected, then we begin to get into a healthier space where we're all observing this commandment. You said to me earlier, nobody escapes big number seven. And I really think that is true, because those of us who, you know, when we haven't been married or when we haven't been seeking relationship, could just write this one off and be like, oh, I'm not in danger of adultery. I'm not in yeah. danger of that. No problem. No, what you're saying is we all have to be attentive to how we're treating our relationships, not just um, in our hearts, but also between our bodies.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and attentive and then, um, and then communicate about yeah, that. Right, there's right. two and parts. That's, that's, you, you can have all kinds of intention, but if you're not speaking it allowed and and talking to it's it's we're talking earlier about this as well that it's something that um i think unfortunately far too often men are guilty of that we don't talk and and i I don't want to just make it one gender but i know i'll speak for myself that in speaking to and, and and talking with um my male friends um it's it takes a while sometimes for us to it sometimes it takes a, a violation of sorts it, it takes a, um, an infidelity that somebody's not clear on to be able to go wait a minute this is this is what I thought our friendship was this is the kind of friendship I thought we had and you did this thing or you said this thing and then I'm really hurt and I um, and that gets you into talking finally about the nature of the friendship so that can be, there aren't unspoken expectations and assumptions that are made. I, I, I think about um, when you and I first started to, uh, to be in ministry together and how we were very intentional in having a conversation about our relationship um, as uh, co-ministers in the church. And then to have that communication with our spouses and to bring our spouses in and to, to you can't over talk about relationships, I don't think. Right. I think the more that there is communication, the better off we're going to be. And I think that, that happen, that's true with family. It's true with um, with absolutely in marital relationships, but in, in friendships as well, I think it's, it's just incredibly important to be um, directly communicating around all of those things. And ultimately, I think that's what uh, the good news may be about this. I think Jesus is inviting us to communicate, to talk about these things, to not make assumptions so that we can have um, good covenant relationships. If we set good boundaries, if if we make clear expectations in relationships, then it, it, if we make clear the rules of the game, then we can just play the game.
0: In every relationship.
1: A- absolutely. And,
0: and I find really good news in that. There's an additional piece for me that we know that covenants change. We have evidence of that. And so if once there's a covenant made and understood, there's good news for me, liberation, if you will, in knowing that it can be adapted to the days that we are in, uh, yes. to the relationships that we're in we're suddenly understanding in new ways. Um, God gives us that example of adaptiveness in covenant relationship. And I think like, what's the freedom here? Because this is the God of freedom. We've started every single sermon with reminding people of that first set of verses in Exodus 20. Uh, I was the God that brought you out of slavery. And so for me, the question is like, how does do not, Commit adultery, bring me out of slavery or keep me out of slavery. Mm -hmm. And I think that the kind of communication, the kind of covenant relationships of all kinds that you're talking about allow me to live more playfully, more delighted, more freely because I can be myself more authentically. Um, I understand how the world around me works. I'm not confused by what people want of me or need of me. And so there's a lot. There's a lot of freedom inside that boundary, which is a really interesting thing to recognize that it's, um, it's not a, you know, 40 foot high concrete wall. It's something that we can like understand together and build together to under like to have, have room to play, to have a safe, a safe place to play and, and be with each other as friends and family and, uh, partners and all of those
1: things yeah and one additional piece um that uh i think is truly good news is um when when, and this is where uh, hosea um is really helpful um because ultimately god um renames all of these the, the offspring right of of this um promiscuous relationship uh and and reclaims um those offspring much like god always reclaims israel always and god always reclaims us and we can reclaim one another there when we violate these things and we will and we do we break covenants we break promises relationships are messy that happens and sometimes it's deeply wounding when it happens but we are never beyond the hope of healing and restoration and reclaiming. And this is where, again, there's an undoing, I think that needs to happen in the church, especially, because you mentioned this, that uh, when we were talking before, that this one, this adultery, you shall not commit adultery, this seems to be the big one, that we, like the biggest sin of the church, this is your shame, I mentioned that, Novels have been written about having a scarlet letter on your chest that shows your shame, and that's not what the gospels point to, and it's not what Jesus points to. When he's you know uh, when he's speaking to the so-called women caught in adultery, he sends her forth and, and says, "Yet yeah, don't do this again." But he does not say, "You carry this now forever." He says, "No, nobody's here to judge you. I don't judge you either. So be." Be free from that and go and be restored and and try not to have that broken relationship again. Whatever that is, um, do that work. But you don't have to hold this and carry this uh, forever. forever.
0: Yeah. I think there is so much good news in that because I I agree. Of all the Ten Commandments... This is the one that I have seen people hold the tightest, the deepest that has festered for them the most. Um, People are more likely to confess killing someone than that there is adultery in their relationship. And I just find that incredibly heart-wrenching because as you said, Jesus specifically holds this commandment up and says, this is forgiven. You mm-hmm. are forgiven. Um, and he does that on purpose, I think. I'm pretty sure he, he knew that this one was killing people, um, mm-hmm. both literally and figuratively, and, um, and, and needed that word to be in the world. And so I'm grateful for that, his specificity on this. I have some problems with his specificity on some other things, but on this one, good job, Jesus.
1: Uh, and, and, and I will say too that um, there's a challenge in there for us as well. If, if Jesus is undoing some of this, is undoing, um, quite frankly, <laughs> the expectation that if this one is violated, we kill the person. Right. If he's undoing that and undoing the guilt and the shame piece, then there's a challenge for us as people of God and people who seek to embody Jesus to undo that as well. Yes to make it so that this particular commandment and this particular uh, Matthew 5 text isn't triggering anymore. Yeah. And
0: I think the work of that is expanding it as you introduced.
1: And talking about it.
0: That we're talking talking about it. it. Yep, all the kinds of relationship, all the kinds of promise. So we have some questions for people. And uh, just two this morning. Uh, One is, where do you see adultery showing up today and that might be that might be global that might be local that might be personal but this idea of adultery as we've expanded on it can be looked at in a lot of different ways so where are you seeing that today and then how has your life been impacted by quote-unquote adulterous relationships and by that we mean um, broken promises unmet expectations covenants that were not fulfilled and how does that feel when that happens when your relationships are held with that little care um or that not held that closely what is that like what how can we think about how it impacts ourselves and other people
1: can i suggest too that if you want to add on to that um how have if you have how have you found healing in that Oh, how have you found healing, uh, in that, um, as a result of that, or as you process that or, you, or have you found healing? Yeah. You know, cause I Good. think it's important to point to that as well.
0: Excellent. I love that question. Andy, do you want to pray for us? And then I'll sing the benediction.
1: Yep. Let's pray. we thank you for your word, for your instruction, for your guidance, and for the freedom that that brings. God, we pray that you would forgive us for breaking covenant with one another and with you. And we thank you that we can trust in that forgiveness, in your grace, in your mercy, in your love, and your desire to always be near us, to be with us, to claim us as yours. We pray that you would open our hearts and open our mouths to talk about our relationships and our expectations, to expand this idea of covenanting in relationship with one another so that we can be clear, so that we don't have assumptions, so that, quite frankly, we don't hurt one another. That we would recognize that that the doing so, that covenanting is a form of loving one another as we seek to love you. We thank you for your presence in all of this. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen.
0: Amen. All right, friends, let's sing as we do every week the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious, gracious, gracious to you. The Lord lift up God's countenance upon you and give you, give you, give you peace.
1: Continue to be at peace, continue to love and serve the Lord and continue to stay safe. Love you and miss you.
0: Love you all and miss you.